Welcome back to What the Fuck is Going On. Today is Thursday, December 7th. My name is Rob McGreevy. I'm here with my co-host, Brian McShane. We have a great show for everybody today. We are going to get into it right now. Quick headlines at the top. The Las Vegas shooter who killed three and injured 19 more on the University of Las Vegas, Nevada campus has been identified as 67-year-old Anthony Polito. The man was reportedly a professor who applied to and was rejected from a job at the university. The Biden State Department announced their plan to revoke the visas of Jewish American green, hard, green card holders that are accused of engaging in extremist violence against Palestinians in the West Bank. This comes as Israel continues an intense ground operation, pushing further into southern Gaza. And in Guyana, the U.S. is back in Guyana after Venezuela has moved to seize its oil-rich western province. Secretary of State Antony Blinken assured Guyana's president he has the United States' full support. That is the headlines at the top. We have a big show here today. We're going to get into a little U.S. politics. We're going to recap some of the debate stuff. Um, I'd like to briefly introduce my new co-host here, Brian McShane. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Welcome to the studio. I uh, I figured we're going to talk about Ireland today. It'd be good to get a, a Mac attack going. McGreevy and McShane. Right on. Here for our for our heritage, for our people. With the mix. That's it. Um, I would love to get into that Guyana story a little bit more. We just don't have time today. But that's pretty crazy. That Guyana, uh, Venezuela is just like, uh, we're taking this. Sorry. Seem to work out for Russia just fine. So we're gonna we're <laughs> gonna rock this. Slip it under the radar. There's enough going on in the world. We it, can just we'll go ahead and get away with this one. Exactly. It's like some people have said Israel is a, a newer, hotter war, so Right, right. There's there's not as much interest elsewhere. Um but we are going to start with um the debate last night. The remaining field of GOP candidates competing to win the Trump Constellation Prize <laughs> uh joined together to debate in Tuscaloosa last night. Um I didn't watch I don't really, I don't think that dog and pony show is all that impactful, but um, there was a sparring match you sent to me that was pretty yeah. interesting between uh, Vivek and Vivek Ramaswamy and former South Carolina governor and UN ambassador Nikki Haley. Correct. Um, she has been surging in the polls at one point. Um, obviously, DeSantis was the big number two. He's really kind of plummeted. Mm -hmm. And at one point, it was actually Vivek had risen above him a little bit. Uh, now it's Nikki Haley is like kind of the, the hot candidate. She's the one that the money's coming into. Right, definitely money. Yeah, and he cri he criticized her for her position on Boeing's board. Here we'll play a clip now. You were bankrupt when you left the UN. After you left the UN, you became a military contractor. You actually started 
joining service on the board of Boeing, whose back you scratched for a very long time, and then gave foreign multinational speeches like Hillary Clinton is, and now you're a multimillionaire. That math does not add up. It adds up to the fact that you are corrupt. He said that I have a woman problem. Nikki, I don't have a woman problem. You have a corruption problem. And I think that that's what people need to know. Nikki is corrupt. This is a woman who will send your kids to die so she can buy a bigger house. This is the problem. Using identity politics more effectively than Kamala Harris is a form of intellectual fraud. Haley, would you like to respond? No. It's not worth my time to respond to him. She's fresh off of a $250,000 donation from Democratic mega donor slash Jeffrey Epstein associate Reed Hoffman, <laughs> who you you actually told me he's I didn't know this he's uh like made millions and millions of dollars from LinkedIn right he was all it, I think today it would be like close to forty two billion dollars from Microsoft for, oh, okay. for LinkedIn the acquisition they, they bought it I don't know if that was finalized I didn't get that far in there um but that was just a quick read up that I was just doing before where he was offered I think it was in this day it was around forty two billion dollars but now he is. A, uh, he's on the chair of Microsoft, so... Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I would imagine he took that donation if he's on the chair. Oh, took the... The payment, not the donation, yeah, the yeah, payment yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just money flying around with these donations. I mean, you know, Reed Hoffman donating $250,000 to, to Nikki Haley. It's just showing, like, you know, they're, they're just choosing who they think is their best opponent for Trump, and they're going to back that person. Yes, I mean, it's interesting. He's like a DNC mega donor. Right. So, like, these people don't have values as much as they just have, like, horses in a race that they want to pick. Correct. They're just picking the front runner that they think is going to be the best opposition to Trump in that, in this race. Yeah. And, I, I mean, out of the GOP, it, it probably is her. Yeah. I, I mean, she's got a lot of things in her favor. I mean, it, you know, not to be sexist or sound sexist, but being that she's a woman, she's definitely going to, you know, yeah. take the, the cake for that one. Um, cake rhymes with Vivek. <laughs> and Vivek does not back down. I mean, that guy was a dog in the primaries last night. Yeah. Or the debates last yeah. night. Um, I mean, he, was, he wasn't just going after Nikki Haley. He was going after Chris Christie. He was going after DeSantis. I, just, um, why is Christie there, though? Like, that's I, a damn good question, man. I, I was looking at the Real Clear Politics betting averages, and he's just barely beating out Tucker Carlson, who's not a declared candidate. For Which anything. is wild. That is yeah. insane. I mean, it's insane that Chris Christie's even up there, but then Tucker Carlson potentially beating him is yeah. What the hell? Uh, it's just Chris. It, I literally every time I think of the face he made. But did you see after the first debate? I don't know if there's a first debate, or the second debate, but he was like, he said something. He was like, Donald, we're gonna we're gonna start going from calling you Donald Trump to Donald Duck, and he looked at the camera like. I just fucking landed one right there. Tucker Carlson said that? No, no, no. Chris, oh, Chris. Chris. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, that was the best line of my career. Like, I am the man. I think he feels that everything he says is the best thing he says. Uh, dude, dude, I admire his confidence. That's really the only nice thing I could say about him. Yeah, you got a point there. Fucking fat bridge closing motherfucker. <laughs> um, anything anything else of note? Like, what I, I, you know, Vivek is very interesting to me because he's sort of occupying that Andrew Yang role of, like, first of all, they're both Asian. Indians are Asians. Mm -hmm. Release the truth about that. Get that out there. Um, no, but in all seriousness, he's, like, he's this outsider candidate. He's never been a politician, and yeah. he's not going to win. He's very obviously, like, has no chance. And that kind of frees him up to say some uh, more controversial things that 
somebody who like needs to court moderate votes wouldn't be 100%. allowed to say he has no care i mean he knows where he's at and he's just gonna go against he's just pushing everybody into a corner yeah because he's he's not gonna allow himself to be pushed in a corner because that's gonna make him it's just gonna make him look desperate i yeah. guess and then just taking the taking the attack on on the offensive and that's 100 percent what he's doing very trumpian of him yeah this is true but he i think he's actually I mean, everything that he says, he is very well put together, and it's not coming across as, like, <laughs> arrogance. And, I mean, it could be considered arrogant, but not in the way that Donald Trump would do it, where it's like, mm, mm, you know, Vivek actually has a well-put argument put together, and you can tell that right. it's not just something that he's been told. He's put effort into it, and, I mean, it's pretty impressive the way he's going after these candidates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody needs to. Yeah, somebody definitely fucking needs to. I, I definitely have my reservations about him as a politician. 100%. He's, uh, I think he's... Big pharma guy. Exactly. Yeah, that's my issue with him. I don't think his record on COVID was that great. I think he was pretty, in the beginning at least, until before he saw how unpopular it became, he was pushing lockdowns and uh, right. vaccines pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. it's interesting to see. I think he will 1,000% be getting a spot in... Um, Trump's cabinet, right? Whether yeah. that's like HHS or I don't think he's gonna get BP. I just don't think he's experienced enough politically. But I mean, at the end of the day, he's trying to be a politician, right? So like, yeah. it's hard to say. Oh, I believe you one hundred percent. You know what I mean? Because again, with his history and then versus what he's saying now, he could just be saying what he thinks that right wing people want to hear. Right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and they, then just running with that. They do focus groups. The amount of money that goes into these uh, campaigns by now, like he he knows what people want to hear. Right. So right. there is that element of it too. It's like how much of it is genuine? How much of this do you actually believe? For sure. I I I think he's from everything I've seen with him, and something I appreciate about him is as you know, he I think he's a millennial. Um, I don't know how old he's he, actually. He's very. He's definitely. He's under forty. Okay. Um. You know, he's one of these candidates that, like, RFK has been doing. He goes on a lot of podcasts. Yeah. He does a lot of independent media. And I do feel like, to a certain extent, when you put yourself out there that much, there has to be a level of genuine to you. Because if you, just just by volume, if you keep talking to people and le letting all this information flow out of you, like, you, you give people a sense of who you are. Right. Even if you are being measured, it's like, you can still kind of see behind the curtain of when there's thousands of hours of you on tape. Unless he's just a professional liar. Yeah, or you know? yeah, if he's a sociopath, then right. there's that. Yeah. But it definitely makes me more comforting from a candidate. Like Hillary Clinton, when she was running in 2016, did nothing. She did no press except for like very friendly, like junkets, right. like went on whatever, fucking Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. Same, I mean, Biden doesn't leave his fucking basement. Basement Biden, you know. Or his vacation, they just you know. Yeah, and to be fair, that's actually a good strategy for his campaign because the more he talks, more people are like, "Please stop doing this to him, this poor man." Like, well, he also said that he doesn't want to debate, right? Yeah, and that that kind of leads us into our the second half of the American politics update for the Democrats because yes, he's not debating. He's been uh, challenged on that a lot. It's it's one of the reasons RFK cited why he left the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. And now we're we, just the other day, the Florida Democratic Party announced that they're just uh, doing without the primary process. Right. It's just Biden wins those delegates. We don't care. Um, the there are there are actually three technically remaining challengers on the Democratic side. There's uh, Cenk Uger, who's the um, uh, Young Turks guy. Okay. I don't you know I don't think he's 
very much of a serious candidate, but he is um, declared. And then there's Marion Williamson, who's like a, she's a businesswoman, and she was she also ran in twenty twenty, um, and she's very much like a hippie crystal woman. She get, gets made oh, fun of a lot. Nice, but for the record, Holistic. she's she's basically polling at uh, the same place that Nikki Haley is compared to the. Oh really? Yeah, she's like twelve percent. Wow. I think I, mean, I might have to look that up, but I believe the last I saw on Real Clear Politics, let's let's look at it actually. Marion Williamson was. I believe polling at twelve percent. Let's see, national. Okay, eight percent. So that's not quite Nikki Haley numbers, but Haley's polling at ten percent nationally right now. So it's not that far behind. I think she just needs to get more into her healing stones, get some percentage it, up. Yeah, exactly. Right? Get some obsidian in there yeah. or something. <laughs> um, and then there's Dean Phillips, who is in he's New Hampshire. Pissed. Yeah, he's pissed. Yeah, we're, we'll play a little. We'll play a shot here of Dean. Buddy, what happened in Florida yesterday is a tragedy and a travesty. The Florida Democratic Party decided, just a handful of people, decided to disenfranchise millions of Democratic voters in Florida by saying, we're not going to have a presidential primary. I'm running for president. There are others running for president as Democrats. And this is the kind of stuff that happens in Tehran, not in Tallahassee. We've got to do something about this. I've been a lifelong Democrat, you know that, supported our party since I was in my 20s, been a member of Congress for three terms, and was a member of House Democratic leadership. I've never seen something so absurd, so disenfranchising, and so suppressive of Democratic voters. Yeah, so he's basically accusing Florida of ringing the primaries, right. which is no surprise. I mean, and we're going to, we have a couple more stories before then, but at the end of this, I'm going to uh, go into a town hall that RFK did last night during the GOP debates where he talks about all the like all the things that the DNC did mm-hmm. putting new rules on their books about eligibility to keep him out of the process. He he said that I'll just say this now. He said that they put 60 new laws on the books, like new DNC rules, and one of them was that if any candidate steps foot in New Hampshire, all the delegates that they get in New Hampshire will be given to Joe Biden. And they did that after RFK had already campaigned in New Hampshire. Wow. So it was like very blatantly against him. Yeah. And then uh, the Democratic Party in Georgia decided to also adopt those rules. I had not heard any of I hadn't heard that either. I thought it was crazy. I was like, how did I not know this? Wow. And it's like the Democratic Party is so corrupt that it's like they can they can get away with everyday corruption because everyone's like, yeah, it was, that's not news. What are you talking about? Of course. Super delegates, like they screwed Bernie in 2016. Right, right. Screwed him again in 2020. Uh, I mean, now they only have small fries to screw, like Dean Phillips and, just and Biden first. That's what they're doing. Uh, but it's just like everyone goes, you have to vote for Biden because uh, Trump is a monster and he's evil. And I've never personally voted for Trump, but here we are in 2023 and everything that they said would happen under Trump present happened. We had no new wars under Donald Trump. We're going to have, like, seven by the end of Biden's first term. If we're lucky. Uh, and some of the, like, uh, you know, I, I, I watch a fair bit of left-wing news just to understand that perspective. Like, right. I was watching Morning Joe the other day on MSNBC, and they were like, if Donald Trump wins, he's going to persecute his political enemies. He's going to use the Justice Department. Like, what is happening you right now? You mean exactly what they're doing yeah. right now? Donald Trump is in court today, by the way. One thing gets thrown out, and then they pull out three more. And yeah. it's just yeah. never-ending. I, I, I truly hate to be on the position, on the side of, like, defending Trump. Right. Which I kind of have been now for eight years. Because when I was in uh, 
college in, in 2016 when he got elected, I was smack dab in the middle of my like journalism degree. Right. I was taking classes with professors who were like uh, former CBS like embeds reporters and like um, you know heads of news divisions. And before this Trump derangement syndrome kicked in, they were all pretty rational about it. They're like, well, this is crazy that he's, you know, uh, saying these things. But, you know, it does actually seem like for the most part, these policies he's suggesting are like mainstream Republican ideas. Is he's, you know, not I had one professor, I remember, who was like the whole Russian Russian disinformation stuff. Mm -hmm. He was like their their intent is to sow discord. They don't care who wins. They just want to weaken our institutions. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. He was like, they they released disinformation about Trump. They released disinformation about Hillary. Mm-hmm. And then, like, three months later, I saw that guy on Twitter, like, this, the Russians cannot be allowed to aid Donald Trump. It's like, I don't know, like, is it tenure? It's like, do they want to, like, still get invited to the same parties? Like, yeah. why do people repeat, parrot this bullshit that they know is bullshit? I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to defend Trump character-wise, but then when you see everything that they're throwing against him, it's like, you remove him as a person yes. and just say, like, would they do this to anybody else? And if so, yeah. how can you how can you stand so proud in saying who you are and then just throw everything at yeah. him, which just doesn't make any fucking sense. And it every single time, it emboldens him. It, it, Correct. You know, it, it's like, hey, how do we create a monster? Boom. This is the perfect formula. And right? his supporters, it just makes them dig even further into the ground, too. Yep. Yep. It gives them proof. And I think that's a really good point. What you just said is like, shit, now I can't remember what you just said. But you said something. Oh, it was like, if, they, if they're doing this to him. Right. You remove him as a person. Yeah. Put anybody else in there. That's like a line he uses. He's like, if they're doing this to me, think about what they'll do to you. Correct. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sick of hearing about him. Because from 2016 to 2020, all we heard was about what a monster and a Nazi and a cancer he is and how he can't be allowed to win again. Mm -hmm. And then from 2020 till now, the same people who said that have not shut the fuck up about him. Right, right. Because they need him for their ratings. They need him to, uh, you know, that documentary, The Social Network, about uh, how Facebook and these social media companies, like, uh, instigate rage. It's rage and engage. Yeah. Like, MSNBC, CNN, they do the same thing. Fox News does it too, but everybody knows Fox News does it. Fox News doesn't pretend to be something it's not. Right, right. Whereas the left is like, we care about you and the immigrants until someone sends them to Martha's Vineyard, then we get pissed off. Them are, them are angry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's just so, they're they're hypocrites. Yeah, I mean, but it just gets them more engagement. So, yeah, you know, that's the name of the game for them. But I mean, it's just, it is, you know, good or bad news. The more bad news is still getting more support for Trump. Like, if they just didn't talk about him... I completely agree. There wouldn't be as as much, you know, buzz going on at the moment because he doesn't have to be doing debates. He's getting he's getting picture time. He's getting frame time, in, limelight. In, in 2016, he got, uh, in terms of value, mm-hmm. like, over 200% more free air airtime, free coverage than any candidate in modern election history. Yeah, so they're just fueling the fire for, for yeah. his supporters and for him as a person. It's a very weird, toxic, uh, codependent relationship that Trump and the media have. Mm-hmm. And, which is fine. Sell your ads. I don't give a fuck. But don't pretend like people who vote for him are the bad guys. Right, right. Don't try to like make me hate my neighbor that has a different perspective just Correct. because you don't agree with him. Yeah. It, it's... There's there's a fine line between farming rage engage and like actively seeking to tear a country apart. Right. Which is like it's hard to make the argument that that's not what these media organizations are doing. At this yeah. Point. Yeah. And I mean, what there's that quote saying like, we don't have to 
share the same opinions for me to respect you as a person. Yeah. Right. But yeah. they're just taking your opinion is left. Your opinion is right. You have to hate the other side. Yeah. It's like who's so that's a famous quote from somebody. Yeah. Right? I don't remember what it is. I just butchered it too. So I mean, no, I, um, you, you got the point across. Right. Right. I'm trying. I wish I, I feel like it was Clint Eastwood or something. Someone like kind of badass. Fuck it. I don't know. Anyway, um, we're going to move on to uh, this episode. I'm basically calling it the populism extravaganza because we're going to get into some elections that have been happening across the world. Um, we're going to very briefly touch upon um, the Netherlands, who just elected, what's his name? Wilder? Geert Wilder? Uh, Geert Wilder, yeah. yeah. Do you want, you want to just give us some facts about him? Because I did not look into this. Yeah, so I actually, I mean, I wasn't really... Familiar with what was going on over there in the Netherlands, but I, I kind of dug in quickly yesterday. Um, and one one highlight was uh, a speech that he gave with like seven different points uh, of him talking about Muslims in the Netherlands um, and basically saying, I mean, again, I don't know too much about him, but I should say from my understanding of it is he is not anti-Islam. He is just pro-Netherlands. Um, that's what they all say. That's what they all say, yeah. So basically, um, a big focus of his is, uh, obviously, I guess, pro-Netherlands. Pro but he's urging Muslims to leave with the idea that they are radicalized. So he says that they, they prioritize the Quran over domestic laws. And his, his biggest point is saying that if you can't follow the domestic laws in the Netherlands and you choose your religion over ours, you need to leave. Uh, and I guess he's also quoted for saying that there's there's about 700,000 Muslims in the Netherlands currently that he would be in favor of seeing them leave because he does believe that they are or have radicalized tendencies. Um, 7,000? 700,000. That's a lot. That's a lot. That would be a, a, a mass migration. Correct. And then he's also saying he wants to dismantle Muslim institutions mosques that receive foreign funds this is this is moving forward and then another thing that he would like to do is lock up everyone who threatens violence and deport them now that could be a broad statement as to anybody but this was specifically in his statements for um muslims interesting um again he did say he doesn't want to be or to be seemingly against muslims well or he's Islam. not doing a great job of that he's not in his talking points it was very uh removal of muslim yeah it sounds like yeah. I, honestly so i haven't i haven't looked into this guy that much um i wanted to cover him briefly as a sort of um uh a notation about the rise of populism mm -hmm. across the world because the next thing the next guy we're going to cover javier malay in argentina uh, he i believe his uh, recent election to president is very significant for South America and for the world. Right. Um, but, you know, I kind of just wanted to throw in Wilder as, uh, you know, not an afterthought, but like, a, you know, another look, this is another populist who just got elected. For sure. Um, but, I, you know, I hadn't looked into him. You said you had, so, so yeah. I, I figured we'd, we'd give it a little credence. Um, the reason I wanted to cover Malai is because I think the media has been covering him unfairly, mm -hmm. calling him right-wing and comparing him to Donald Trump. They're doing the same thing to this guy. To me, it actually sounds like that's an apt comparison. Right. Because 
and he's he's taking it further than Trump in terms of like Trump wanted to ban new Muslims from coming to this country. He wants to remove them. Seven hundred thousand people is a lot, right? And also, it's like the Netherlands are part of a, a, the EU and part of a Europe and part of a you know a Western liberalism movement that like we encourage um, freedom of religion, right? Freedom of expression, freedom of thought. He looks like he's trying to take that back a step and be like, no mosques. Like, right. And, and I completely get like worrying about you know Islamic extremism and terrorism. Like that's something that every country should be concerned about. But I have you know for in my media career spent the whole time of it like railing against America for the Patriot Act for taking advantage of our citizens and strengthening their uh, you know power grip on our lives using uh islamist extremism as an excuse right so like i can't sit here and be like oh yeah that's great it's good do that because yeah i mean i should backtrack it a little bit if i if i mentioned like he i think he's in fear of them becoming radicalized i don't even think that he's saying they're all generally radicalized but yeah, his fear he, his biggest concern is that um and i don't know islam very well but he's saying that they choose to follow like the rules of the quran mm. over the domestic laws and that's not he that's nothing that he wants to take part of which is fine and if there's a conflict between those two laws you have to follow the law of the the country in which you reside yeah, yeah. if you want to live in islamic republic you can go to iran like right. they have that that exists that's fine so I, I i have no problem with him saying that right right but he, it does sound to me and again this is not an entirely researched and informed take right now, mm -hmm. but it does sound to me like he's uh, like uh, this. This word gets thrown around a lot. It's kind of lost its potency because of how often people compare Trump to Hitler. Mm -hmm. But this sounds like some Hitler shit to me. Because I mean, the, removing yeah, one. This is the way Hitler talked about the Jews. Right. So and I don't know. I don't know much about um, the Netherlands. Um, policies, their, Nor do I. their political issues. I don't know how big of a problem. I don't think Islamic terrorism has been a major problem in uh, Netherlands, at least not compared to other parts of the world. None that I've heard much of. It, no. it, that's, and that's all I'm basing it off of is that yeah. I haven't heard anything. If there is stuff going on, it's all under the surface. It's not getting covered broadly. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. That's I think that's interesting. This is like my first reaction to this stuff because yeah. I haven't read anything about him. Um, I don't, I, I don't like the rising tide. It seems that people say there's a rising tide of anti-Semitism in the wake of the Israel stuff. And I do think it's gross that people are tearing down posters of hostages. There's no reason for that. Right. But I've personally felt like the tide of anti, um, Muslim has been worse and stronger and seemingly more socially acceptable that people hate Muslims. I mean, I think that that's been growing for, for quite some time, too. Like, the anti-Semitism is, is new recently, like, yeah. as large as it is the right surge. now. It's, yeah. not, it's one of the oldest hatreds right. in the world, actually. Exactly, yeah, but yeah. the surge, yes, is, is kind of very um, alarming. But anti-Muslim, I believe, has been, that's been for a while. But, I mean, it's... But the, my, my issue with it is that it's, like, it's like acceptable. In, yeah, in yeah. many circles to hate Muslims. Like everybody, you know, if you're anti-Semitic, you have to like say it in hushed tones and right, look right. around. But apparently now you can just run for president and be like, fuck those Muslims. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Uh, that concerns me that um, I do. So well, let's transition into Malay here because I do like uh, populism as a um, trend 
in the globe. I think whether you like Wilder or not, it is nice to see that people who the establishment hates can still get on a ballot and win. Yeah, yeah. And that's that is pretty cool. That's we're gonna get into this guy Javier Malay now. Um, many people have probably seen him. He he's uh, a very interesting figure. He's been called by all the media as uh, South America's Trump, which I'm going to break down in a second here as being pretty inaccurate. But we'll play a couple of clips here of him now. He is uh, a former so- goalkeeper for like a big club down there. Is he really? He was in a rock band. I had no idea about that. Yeah, yeah. He's got wow. quite a, an interesting resume and an interesting personality. Um, and here, here, here's a, here's a video of him I'm going to play. Ministerio de Turismo y Deporte, afuera. Ministerio de Cultura, afuera. Ministerio de Ambiente y Desarrollo Sostenible, afuera. Ministerio de las Mujeres y Género y Diversidad, afuera. Ministerio de Obras Públicas, afuera. Aunque te resistas. Vamos a seguir por acá. Ministerio de Ciencia y Tecnología e Innovación, algo bien del sector privado. Nada bueno salió del sector público, afuera. Ministerio de Trabajo, Empleo y Seguridad Social, afuera. Ministerio de Educación, Adoctrinamiento, afuera. Ministerio de Transporte, afuera. Ministerio de Salud, afuera. Ministerio de Desarrollo Social, afuera. ¿Cómo queda el Estado? Ministerio de Capital Humano, Ministerio de Infraestructura, Ministerio de Economía, Ministerio de Justicia, Ministerio de Seguridad, Ministerio de Defensa, Ministerio de Relaciones Exteriores y Ministerio del Interior. Se acabó el curro de la política. ¡Viva la libertad, carajo! So that's Javier Malay. He is a, uh, he describes himself as an anarcho-capitalist, extremely libertarian. Yes. As far as I know, I think he is the first libertarian to win the presidency in any country in the history of the world. Sounds about right, yeah. So that's, I think that's very significant. Um... But he's getting compared to Trump, and I do not think that's fair. I mean, I can understand how somebody would say that he's being compared to Trump because he's got that drain the swamp mentality. Yes. He straight up said, he said, to Trump, your presidency was an example for those of us who defend the ideas of freedom. Right. So anybody who hears that saying, hearing him giving accolades to Trump, they're just immediately going to run with it and say, he's, he's pro-Trump, he's just like Trump. Yeah. But so there have been a lot of mainstream Western news outlets comparing him to Trump. Happy to call him a far right candidate. Um, but I think that does a great disservice to just how unique of a figure he is within mainstream politics. Um, and just kind of how significant the election of a libertarian is for politics in the 21st century. So I just wanted to go into a couple of these media claims. And we're going to put, put up some of these articles and these headlines in post. So I can just, people can see what... The media is saying about him. One claim is that uh, that they're using to compare him to Trump is to call him an outsider, mm-hmm. which I think is ex- and they call him an outsider and they say, oh, he's a a pundit, he's a TV pundit. Okay. Um, first of all, he unlike Trump, unlike Andrew Yang, unlike Vivek, who are getting called outsiders, he's a sitting office holder. He in twenty twenty one he was elected to Argentina's Chamber of Deputies, which is like a proportionally representative legislative body akin to the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, he earned a seat on the chamber as a representative in the country's capital of Buenos Aires. And before that, he wasn't, you know, he's a pundit, but he's an economist. 
right. he's three PhDs. Yeah, he taught economy yes. or economics. Yes, and he's uh, just for all my conspiracy theorists out there, he is a uh, economic advisor to the World Economic Forum. Shout out Klaus Schwab. <laughs> um, this is like an accomplished man with a resume. He wasn't a fucking reality TV star. Right, right. He's on TV. He not... wasn't an actor or a musician. Right, right. He's on TV to give his informed, well-researched, educated opinion, right. not to like judge Miss Universe and tell people they're fired. Right. So like that. That's just one way right off the bat. Like the, the, the sort of global, um, the the globalism movement of like, hey, let's, you know, let's. Make sure that people don't believe in these ideas of how mm. freedom, like let's make sure that they want to rely on the government entirely, are trying to malign him because his policy prescriptions are burn it all down. Right. He does not, he wants the um, Argentinian, uh, I don't know if they call it the peso, um, but whatever Argentina's currency is. Yeah, I'm not sure. He wants to basically destroy their country's central bank. Right. Completely eliminate it and tie their basically tie their economy to the U.S. dollar, start using the dollar as their reserve currency. Um, just for some context, Argentina's economy is in the fucking toilet. They have the third worst inflation in the world after, I believe, Zimbabwe and... Is it Lebanon? I think Lebanon is, like, the worst. But uh, I think something like 20 years ago, it would have costed you three dollars, three Argentinian dollars okay. to get a U.S. dollar. I think today that number is like 40. Whoa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> citizens are only allowed to take out $200 a day Wow. In, in the exchange. Yeah. So there's a huge black market for American dollars. Right, right. And they pay crazy fees. You know, you're paying like if, if you want to get 500 American dollars. Oh, fuck. Let me look up this exchange rate right now just because I don't want to mess up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely has like a, I don't want to say like scorched earth mentality but it does seem like he you know he wants to get rid of a lot of the things that that i don't know if it, i shouldn't say like he agrees with but he just doesn't see fit for the better future of, of argentina yeah. but yeah it does seem like almost scorched earth just build it back up well and yeah and just but i said before 40 argentine pesos to one usl it's 364 is actually the current exchange rate so Whoa. that's that's how miserably poor their economy is um, and it stretches from the previous administration, uh, not just them. This is going back, you know, to I believe 1983 was when they um, became a democracy. They overthrew okay. their military government. Right. Uh, and ever since then, they have essentially been uh, close to a socialist state. Everything is provided for, the all, you know, yeah. services and everything. So that's how their uh, currency got so devalued is they just... Right print money and, and blah, blah, blah. So I don't think necessarily that um, eliminating the central bank is a good idea broadly. Right. I think in this country, it, it, it appears to make sense, and they need to do something because... <laughs> it can't get worse than what they're at right now. Yeah, you can't carry around a fucking satchel of dollars to go get a, a, right. a stick of gum. Yeah. Like, something needs to be done. Um, it is... I am... I, I have read a lot about what they call the shock doctrine and shock therapy, mm -hmm. which is the idea of what it seems like Malay is going to do, which is a reset okay, and an economic reset. And people are going to die. Like there's going to be a good amount of people who aren't, who just, when, when you cut off these services, there are people who rely on them. 
Like you're saying from a poverty standpoint? Yes. Yeah, okay. So there's no getting around that, and that's a fair criticism of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I haven't seen, by the way. Right. Nobody uh, legitimate or quote-unquote legitimate in the mainstream media is actually going at him for what really could be, you know, the the negatives to his policy prescriptions is a whole lot of people are going to starve and die when the economy gets reset. Right. Uh, of course, they don't go after that. They just call him Trump and right-wing and authoritarian. It's just a quick... Yep. Yeah. Yep. Whatever's going to get people's attention. Which annoys me because there's legitimate stuff there. It's the same thing with Trump. When in 2016, when he became president, one of my biggest things, something I, I don't think I'll ever let go, is that he did not divest his businesses into a blind trust. Mm-hmm. There's something called the emoluments clause. Okay. Which is that when you have assets as a president, it's not fair to say you have to sell everything. Right. So they say you have to divest okay. into something called the blind trust. Which means somebody you don't know gets to oversee your assets and manage them in, you know, a, a baseline way. They don't make aggressive moves. They just hold them and, and try their best to not let them go down in value. So it has to be somebody that you don't know. Correct. He didn't do that. And it was his son, right? Didn't All he? his kids. Yeah. He just handed off the businesses to the kids. He said, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, Which yeah. is illegal. And it's something that you never hear about. And it's legitimate. It's a, it's something that he did wrong that he shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And instead they're like, he got pissed on and Russia did this and like give me a fucking break you know shit that actually wasn't true where you could actually talk about real shit right and so that's what the media does and that's kind of why we're here that's why i'm trying to do what we're doing and uh expose people to the real information about these uh characters that you know i feel like we're kind of getting lied to about on a daily basis well we Um, definitely are getting lied to on a daily basis and we're not you know the stories that actually mean something aren't really the stories that are being talked about you know like you said we're you know we're, the talking points aren't there for them it's just whatever's going to give them the the it's clickbait traffic viewership the, the hot stories at the moment even if they're they're not real stories right um i just real quick i guess to wrap up malay i want to get into a couple more details about him um so we we saw that video of him tearing down all his government agencies um basura <laughs> he is in favor of mass privatization. He wants to privatize the media, which is something that I think is another fair criticism of him to be like, that's tricky. Privatizing the media is, you know, now you just have state-run agencies and control right. of information. So I don't like that. Um, other things I think probably should be pri- uh, privatized, like oil, energy, that, um, I don't know what else. I mean, he wants to privatize everything. And, like, there's a good debate to be had about the line you know, how free, how much freedom, it's a bell curve. You give right. a country complete freedom and it's Lord of the Flies. It's chaos, you know? yeah. And I don't know about you, but I don't trust corporations to fairly run anything. You got to be out of your mind to do so. Right, but that's... It's all the, about the bottom line for them. It's not about the better, better, the greater good. Right, but, but again, it's, uh, there needs to be a balance and clearly Argentina's balance has ticked way off to the, the socialist side. You know what right. I mean? So I think it's fair to um, prioritize bringing things back to the middle in this extreme way that he's doing. I just do fear that, you know, 20 years from now, we're going to have an Argentina that's like Ayn Rand's wet dream. Like everybody's just, you know, it's it's all corporatists and capitalists at the top. I mean, he's considered a libertarian economist. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But who knows, you know? Again, it goes back to just being a politician of... of yeah, that's you know. the thing. He's, he's a politician. I, just a couple more things about him. The mainstream media said that his 
the election was one of the most divisive in the country's history, mm-hmm. or contentious, I believe is the word I saw. He won 50, 56% share of the votes cast. I believe that's the most in Argentinian history, at least since they became a democracy. So mm. more bullshit from the media. Most people, uh, 56 might not sound like a lot, but it's actually kind of, it's it's close to a landslide in terms of, right, right. like, it's a runoff election, so it's one-on-one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well yeah. more than half. Um, he's a big Israel guy, loves Israel, plans on moving the Argentinian embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Hmm. Um, very weird. He was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. but he just has this affinity for Judaism. He says he's going to convert. Yeah. I wonder if he has any like family ties. I don't know. I wonder. I, I Or love interest ties. I tend to think it's political. Probably. I mean, again, he's a politician. Yeah. Um, and was there, oh, I met, he's, he has weird beef with the Pope. Does he? That he's kind of, uh, smoothed over since he got elected, but uh-huh. like some of the Catholic voters were not a fan of him because he was criticizing the Pope a lot. Um, the Pope, Pope Benedict is from, uh, not Pope Benedict, Pope Francis right. is from Argentina. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Um, I wonder what is his exact beef? I think he thinks that, uh, Pope Francis is too liberal basically. I think he thinks that he's letting people get away with too much in the church. Which, if that is true, and don't quote me on that, but if it is true, it makes sense why he would want to convert to Judaism because they're more like strict about. They're like, no, this is the way we do it. Right, right. They also all they love their loopholes, but like, yeah, yeah. In general, they don't. You know, the Catholic Church has changed its doctrine over the years to allow more and more. The Jews don't do that. Right. Yeah, it's definitely become more liberal. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. So, yeah, that's I, I wanted to introduce some people to Javier Malay. I think he's a figure to keep your eye on. I believe he doesn't get voted in until January. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't expect any January 6th type situations in Argentina. He does seem to have the support of the people. I will I post this article here. There is some doubt as to whether or not he is actually going to go through with eliminating the central bank. Mm-hmm. A lot of that proposal was based off of a theory of an economist that he's very friendly with yeah who he planned to tap to be the finance minister mm-hmm. that guy rejected the job and oh. he's having trouble filling it okay so it's yet to be seen i uh, mean i didn't i didn't read the stories yesterday but there were a couple articles saying that he's already backtracking on on some of his things he so. is and um i don't know it's tough to run as a guy who says you're going to shut down the central bank and then not do it right so he to get 56 percent of the vote yes and then not do what you said you were correct he has a really good chance to capitalize on this a lot of politicians do that yes but he is marketing himself as not a a same old not your standard politician yeah yeah yeah. he looks like he's on in the fucking beatles right right exactly he does does. it's a good point Kind of has like a Bob Dylan look to him, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he does. So I, I, I like him as a personality. I think he's personality very for sure. Yeah. I, w- I wish I was better at Spanish. And I mean, it, again, going back to that clip, it's just like that. Uh, you know, afuera. That, that park, parks and was it Parks and Rec? Just straight to jail. Straight to jail. Undercook, overcook. Believe straight it or not, undercook fish. Straight to jail. Undercook, jail. Yeah, that's what I got when I saw that that clip. I think that, that's interesting because I believe they were from Venezuela. I think so. Which. Is like a socialist republic, yeah, essentially. Yeah. So again, Venezuela. Look into the Venezuela Guyana stuff. It's very interesting um, that they're just annexing an oil re- oil rich region. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do some more research on that. Yeah. All right, but 
the next story that we're going to get into some some more uh, continuing the thread of populism. Um, Ireland, our homeland, mm-hmm. um, a place that is very near and dear to my heart, has been in the news because I believe it was two weeks ago. It was like the end of November. It was like two or three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, riots erupted on the streets of Dublin after a 40-something-year-old Algerian immigrant who was a 20-year naturalized Irish citizen uh, stabbed three children. I believe it was three children. And then a caretaker. And an aid worker who, who kind of stepped in to rescue the children. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just a couple of quick facts about it right off the jump. Um, his name has not yet been released by Irish authorities. He actually hasn't even been arrested yet because he was incapacitated in the hospital. Um, a couple people intervened immediately when this happened. Uh, one of whom was a Brazilian immigrant, um, and I don't have that guy's name, but I'll put it up in post, um, who beat the guy. He was a, a construction worker, mm-hmm. beat the guy with his helmet, like concussed him. So he's been in the hospital, still hasn't. I think he just woke up the other day. Um, and Conor McGregor, who we're going to, I think is a linchpin of the way this story became a global news story. Um, he started a GoFundMe for the guy that I think has surpassed, like, Tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Which that's, I mean, you mentioned that to me yesterday, which the only thing that I saw that that I've seen from the media saying about Conor McGregor is how he is aligned or just stating all immigrants, all my illegal immigrants need to leave. I didn't hear anything about the the fund that he created for this. Yes. Um, so just from my, my point is that I didn't hear that. And yeah. the media was only talking about him being anti-illegal immigrants, Doesn't get out, me. and, you know, just the fact that that's all I saw speaks for itself. That's wild. Doesn't surprise me. Um, and so in response to that, you know, there's protests. Uh, cars and buses were lit on fire in Dublin. Um, I think some of the context that people need to know is Ireland has a housing crisis. Mm-hmm. It is extremely, extremely difficult as a young person there to find a place to rent, let alone buy that, you know, the dream of home ownership to the degree that it's been uh, debased in America it, times that by a thousand in Ireland. It's, people are not buying new homes. There's no, there's no new homes to be built. There's laws on the books against building new homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet at the same time, Ireland is satisfying these EU requirements to let in more and more migrants. I believe there's a news story that went around that the most, uh, and this was like five, ten years ago, that the most uh, popular name in, I believe it was Galway, mm-hmm. for baby boys in like the year 2013 was Muhammad. Really? Yes. Wow. So. I mean, that's also the number one most popular name in the world, I believe, right? Right, but yeah. not, it wasn't but in not Ireland. Not in Ireland, clearly, So, in yeah. Ireland, and this, I'm going to play a clip here from Russell Brand about Irish nationalism and how... We talked about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. The word nationalism gets a, a, a bad rap. It has bad PR because it's often associated with being far right. right. It's often associated with um, fascism and terrorism. But Russell Brand here makes a really good point about why and how Irish nationalism was essential for it to remain a country. I'll play that clip right now. He's concerned about migration in Ireland. He's concerned about the violence that's taken place recently in Ireland. He's concerned about the lack of conversation around migration. And beneath that, and this is my own analysis, I'm not claiming to speak for Conor McGregor, he's probably concerned about a political class that no longer represents the people they were elected to represent. And as we pointed out in an earlier video, in a country like Ireland, that is going to be particularly problematic because ethno-nationalism is a real part of Ireland's history, perhaps every nation's history. But Ireland is a country that's been historically oppressed 
oppressed by Britain and their relationship to national pride is more understandable than most nations' relationship to national pride. Even though I would say that we're all entitled to have a degree of national pride or tribal instinct. My hope is that is a very inclusive and open-hearted thing, but these are interesting times. That's a really good point because Ireland, <clears throat> you know, uh, we talk about uh, white privilege in this country and the whole colonizer, colonialism, uh, oppression has been, that narrative has been floating around for a while now. Right. Um, Ireland, you know, we're like the only white people that didn't oppress people. We were actually oppressed by the British. For quite some time. Yeah, you know, the I, I wrote a, a long paper in college about how the potato famine was a textbook genocide. Mm -hmm. um, and people don't really acknowledge or care about that. I mean, that was by design. Yes, so the British have been um, subjugating the Irish people for as long as it's existed. Right. They still very controversially own a, like almost a quarter of the island. Mm -hmm. um, so nationalism in this case is has been necessary for Ireland to continue to be a free republic. Yeah, I mean, and you said it yourself. You know, if there wasn't the nationalism in Ireland, we wouldn't. Ireland wouldn't be where they are today. They would they, actually be English. Yes, it'd be part of the UK. Um, and so <clears throat> I, I think nationalism in this case, you're seeing the Irish people sort of stand up and say, well, we're, we're Ireland. We still want to be Ireland. Correct. It, it's a tricky thing, uh, you know, the immigration debate, because you know, I'm not right wing. I mm -hmm. believe in Medicare for all, the abolition of private prisons, like uh, mass drug decriminalization. Uh, the environment is like my number one cause. Like mm -hmm. I care more about the environment than I do any of these other issues. Um, but on the issue of immigration, I, I take exception to the way many on the right talk about immigrants. I remember Tucker Carlson at one point talking about how like they're dirty and they make our country a worse place. <laughs> I think the discourse surrounding it is uh, sort of dehumanizes Im immigrants and takes Definitely. away from them, you know, their humanity, which I think is unfair. But on the other side of it, it's like you can't, you know, my mom was an immigrant to this country, mm -hmm. but you can't for some reason say, you know, like the leftist elite have banged this drum of uh, uninhibited m migration because it's like a luxury belief. Right. And then we see what happens when, you know, Governor Abbott, Greg Abbott from Texas sends these migrants to places like New York, Massachusetts. Uh, the, the liberals who say, oh, you know, you have to care about everybody immediately abandon their morals and say, no, we'll get them the fuck out of my community. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Mayor Adams now. Yeah, just, New York has to decrease its budget right. for cops and firefighters, which exactly. I think is a political move. I think he's trying to piss off cops and firefighters. Probably. I mean, yeah, you never know. Yeah, no, well, it just makes no sense to take, like, whatever, 2% two, 2 of their budget that it's not, it's not going to help anyway. Anyway, that's... Uh, yeah, I mean, but, like, in that... In that point as well, I mean, I know we're kind of getting off this going to New York at this point, but like I was reading the other day that they're they're removing um, elderly adults living in retirement homes and and uh, assisted living homes to open it up for illegal immigrants. Now I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't yeah, seen it be... for you know facts, but like from what I was reading, that was being said, and I, that's I very mean, unfortunate if that's true. Crazy stuff is happening. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but I do know I covered a story about, uh, I forget, is it Putnam County, New York, where I don't, you know, Newburgh and Stewart International Airport, mm -hmm. that whole area. I remember talking to the county commissioner because when these, this was in May, I think, um, when some of these 
immigrants were initially getting sent to, to New York City. Yeah. New York City was just putting them on buses and sending them upstate. Oh, yeah. And going, yeah. hey, they're waiting for you when you get there. Right. And then they got off the bus and the mayors were like, we didn't know they were fucking coming. Right. It's so right. like, I, I, you know, again, it's dehumanizing to treat these people like it is. political it's, pawns. It's awful the way that they actually treat them. And the left and the right do it the same. It's just that the left is the one that claims they care about them. Right. At least the right is honest. But like, don't give a fuck. We care about Americans. Right, right. And that's like the, the balance that, you know, I think people need to understand about Ireland. It's like, yeah, I'm sure there are people in Ireland who are like, I hate Muslims. I hate brown sure. people. Get them out of my country. Right. I think the vast majority of people are just like, hey, I can't afford rent. Mm-hmm. And you're giving, you're letting fucking exactly. 800 Somalis in every month. Mm-hmm. Like... What is going on here? A lot of these people are, they're on the dole. That's what they call it. It's being on welfare mm-hmm. um, and draining from the country's social support system. And this EU backed, um, German controlled, uh, you know, political apparatus is just like, they seem to not care about Irish people at all. Right. And Conor McGregor is clearly tapping into that. Oh, for sure. Uh, he might run for president. He's, I mean, he's, he's got all of Ireland backing him since since right. the UFC. He's got all of Ireland backing him. Well, actually, I was just about to say this. He in within Ireland, he actually doesn't have as great of a um, an image as okay. people would think. He's kind of been known for uh, being mildly gang affiliated. Uh, I see that there are rumors. I think pretty substantiated rumors that he's a cokehead. That you know, shocker. I, there was a video of him like beating the shit up, not beating the shit up, but like cold clocking an old guy in the back of the head at the bar. So, yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, I'll say this right now, and Conor McGregor is on a sticker on my laptop right there. So I'm a big fan of him and what he's done for the Irish people in terms of uh, just sort of furthering our, um, you know, the diaspora, the the right. legacy of yeah. Ireland and what it means. And I mean, this is a guy with incredible will right to take himself out of being a dirt poor plumber to mm-hmm. being uh, he's probably 200 richest men in the world at this point for sure um but i don't think he's a great guy i'll be honest with you and even though he's on my laptop and i love what he what he stands for what he represents from like a power standpoint of like look how far you can come mm-hmm. i don't think he'd be a good president i don't think he has a temperament for it but definitely doesn't have the temperament for it i do think that he um has tapped into something that I think is really important and I think he's bringing up a, an important conversation about, you know, what is a country? Right. Because, you know, you have open borders is kind of a policy that has been attributed to Democrats. I don't think they've ever said that, but um, they have basically tantamount endorsed letting everybody in from Mexico. And the counterpoint to that is like, well, what is a country? Like, First of all, you need borders to have a country. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you need a shared identity. Right. And all these people that are being let into Ireland, there, there's no like test. But like, do you, do you know our history? Do you know about the culture? It's just like, well, come on in. Right. Right. Take and here's some money and mm-hmm. just go crazy, baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that is recipe for civil unrest. For sure. And now we're obviously seeing it because there's no identity at that point. No. I mean, and we don't have much information on this Algerian guy at all. And again, he was a naturalized Irish citizen. For t- he'd been there for 20 years. Yeah, and I, I'd be really interested to see what his motivation was. Right. I suspect 
and maybe I'm talking out of pocket here, but he's an Algerian, so he may be Muslim. Mm-hmm. I suspect that it has something to do with the Israel-Palestine conflict. Um, Ireland is, you know, one of the few countries in the world, uh, one of the few in the EU who uh, the MPs, the members of parliament and the government and the people in general are more sympathetic to Palestine than I think the rest of the world. So I do think it's interesting if he was pro-Palestine that, First of all, you know, stabbing children is, is monstrous and horrible. It's like, right. oh, you know, how can he justify that? But um, I guess we'll see when he wakes up. Um, the, if he remembers. Yeah, God. If he's even there. Shout out the Brazilian guy. We'll, we'll post sure. the GoFundMe. I believe it's uh, to buy him a beer is the... Right, that's yeah. like the, the headline of it? Yeah. That's uh, awesome that he did that, though. That, that Yeah, it is. And, and I think it's worth noting that if the guy who did this was an immigrant, well, so was the guy who stopped him. Right. So. And then, I mean, not for nothing, but also, you know, the I think it's one of the girls, I believe she's still in critical care. The um, five-year-old, right? Yeah, she was born in Ireland. But, but her parents were not. Both her parents were not national citizens. Do you remember where they were from? I do not. I did not see where they were from. Um, but that's just another talking point is, you know. Yeah. The... The last talking point, and, and the whole reason I wanted to bring this up is because I'm not a, a, I'm not an immigration expert, I'm not a housing expert, I'm not really an expert in anything, but one thing I do know is media. Right. And the way the media has been covering this has been, uh, I think, unfair. And the, the other thing that I'm, you know, the environment is, is, like I said, kind of my biggest political cause. Mm-hmm. I think very close second is free speech. And the First Amendment in America and censorship. And Ireland's Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, has proposed some pretty radical uh, laws in response. First of all, the sort of left-wing Irish media, globalist fucking, you know, uh, EU agenda media, is saying that these riots were spurred by right-wing misinformation, that the Algerian guy was a... Uh, an illegal immigrant, mm-hmm. uh, that's fucking bullshit because I don't think that there's any Irish person that went, uh, well, we're going to go riot because these children got stabbed right? because this guy is an illegal immigrant. If someone was like, uh, hey, actually, he was here for 20 years, he'd be like, oh, okay, let's go home. Let's right. who, who cares? No, he stabbed a fucking kid. Right. Like, that's why they're pissed off. Uh, I mean, they're also going in on, on Twitter or X saying that that was a big protagonist for for the riots and what protests. Was? Oh, that, the that censorship laws. Yeah, just saying how, how Twitter is so free speech that they're just so open that they are just promoting right. hatred. And, and so Elon Musk actually sparred a little bit with Viradkar about it. Mm-hmm. He said he hates Irish people, which is interesting. I did not see that. Wow. Um, I wonder why. I just want to read some of the language from this proposed law, though. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Viradkar said, quote, will modernize our laws against incitement to hatred and hatred in general. That is more required than ever than was ever the case before. One problem with that is this is the hate speech argument. Mm-hmm. Hate speech is extremely uh, subjective. You can just decide whatever. Well, uh, I I hate Britney Spears. You're going to jail. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, you can say, you can reasonably draw a line from almost anything and say he incited a riot with his speech. Yeah. Um, and then two... They want to criminalize the preparation or possession of hateful material, quote, with a view to the material being communicated to the public or a section of the public. Basically, what they're saying is if you have something 
a meme on your phone that they believe uh, could incite a riot or, or whatever, they can arrest you for it. Now, this just happened in America. Uh, Douglas Mackey yeah. was arrested for making a meme that had Hillary's face on it that said, text vote to this number to vote for Hillary. Right, right. So he's accused of um, tricking people. Like, I think it was like election fraud. Is what he yeah, got. It was, I think it was election fraud. Yeah, yeah. which is a fucking absurd because it's like the whole, uh, like, you can sue a company if they don't tell you not to iron your shirt while you're wearing it. Like, shouldn't the onus be on the fucking morons who believe that? Exactly, the person, yeah. You know? And he got, what, seven months for that? Something I, like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I mean, I was I was listening to um, a podcast talking about that further. I didn't realize that it was... I thought it was just a meme. I didn't realize it was actually with directions of saying, text this. Yeah. Um, which doesn't make it any more reasonable. No. You know what I mean? At no. all. Because it's... It's, at the end of the day, it's satire. Yes. That's all it is. It's comical. I mean, whether the guy actually had nefarious intent, who knows? But at the end of the day, going to jail for creating a meme yeah. is insane. And now you can, <clears throat> in Ireland, it, it seems like what they're trying to do is you could go to jail for having the meme. So that's what I'm curious of. I haven't looked too much into that. Like you're saying, having it on your person, what is it, like a stop and frisk? Like, let me see your phone? Or is it just if you... I don't know how digital stop and frisk works. Yeah. I don't know to the degree that... They could subpoena the um, the ISPs, the internet service providers, mm-hmm. and say, "Did he download this from this website?" Or maybe you know, Apple has been pretty good about. Uh, there was the landmark uh, case where that I think it was Sam Bernardino or some California guy shot up like a, a military recruitment center, mm-hmm. and Apple was trying to get into his phone, or the government, the FBI was trying to get into his phone, and Apple wouldn't give them a bypass. Oh wow! I do think they have been. They have let up a little bit on that and they're kind of more cooperative now right about that but i don't know it's very interesting there's also like there's stuff that you could do there's the pegasus software Mm -hmm. which uh i think the uh either the saudis or somebody got jeff bezos hacked into his phone with pegasus yeah that's that's where his divorce came from that's how his wife found out he was shooting on him wow yeah 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 so there's ways, you know, it, it, where there's a will, there's a way. For sure, yeah. Um, and I again, this is like to me, comes from not like you know, Varadkar. Uh, I think he's cooperating with the EU and this sort of globalist vision for the future of a united Europe. And it's like, well, it's not Ireland taking these migrants; it's the European Union are taking these migrants. We're just putting them in Ireland for now. Yeah. And yeah. to be fair, obviously, the what's his fucking name, Wilder, Wilder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Gear. his yeah, his election is obviously a response to this type of um, stuff as well, where the EU, you know, Ireland's not the only country taking migrants. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is the question really everybody should be asking is why the fuck are there so many migrants? Mm-hmm. It's because of mo- mainly U.S. foreign policy and the global, quote, war on terror and all these foreign wars that we've been involved in for the past 40, 50, 70 years, mm-hmm. displacing people globally. The, the global south, we fucking, you know, we have destroyed Africa for its resources. We have uh, completely blew up the Middle East politically and literally, right. again, mostly for resources yep. and also just political control. So these people have to have somewhere to fucking go. And uh, it's not their fault that they don't have a home. Yeah, yeah. But it's also reasonable to say... I don't want 100,000 migrants in my country when my son can't afford to rent. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes you, you have to look inwards before you can look outwards. And I mean, yeah, as a country, that can only make sense is, you know, at what point, and I mean, this sounds tricky to say, muddying the waters of, of a country of saying, you know, at what point are you going to lose your, your entity, I suppose? Yeah, when are you going to, your national identity. Exactly. And, yeah. and again, national identity is more important to Irish people than most other countries. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know... T- Palestine, it's all they have is their national identity. Right. You know what I mean? Like there are places where it's more important than even having a physical piece of land. Mm-hmm. Is we're Irish. The Irish diaspora is bigger outside of the country than within it. Right. There are more Irish identifying people in America than there are in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So like to have your country I, and I don't know what the exact demographics are, but like it's growing more and more every year. I think now I think at one point in like the early two thousands, Ireland was like ninety five percent Irish, hmm. you know, uh, what's the word? Not your heritage, but like your ethnic, ethnic. Mm-hmm. Irish ethnicity. Now it's like 89%, I believe. Wow. Uh, let's look that up so I'm not misinforming people. Irish ethnicity breakdown. Oh, shit. Now it's uh, 82% Irish. Sheesh. Although 9% are other white. I don't know where that's coming from, but then the remaining nine percent includes people of Asian and African backgrounds. Interesting. I don't know what that nine uh, percent other white would be, like Italian and fucking just general European, I guess. I suppose, yeah. That is one thing I, I'm working on getting my Irish passport because I would love to get a European passport to just be able to hop around Europe like that. We should actually. I I, I want to do that as well. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it together. Yeah. Why not? Hold hands while we do. Yeah. It's just yeah. brotherhood. Hell yeah! All right, let's. Move on to the last thing, and I we're not going to do this for very long, but uh, last night, while the debate was on, again, I think that shit is all nonsense. I don't really believe in party politics or partisan politics anymore. Um, one person I do believe in, and I, if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I've been pretty uh, vocal about my support for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, I Just for the record, I actually don't agree with his positions on Israel. I think that's okay. You can disagree with people and still believe that they're uh, a good candidate for the future. Right. Um, he did a town hall last night with Patrick Bet David on the PBD podcast. Have you seen that podcast? I have not. No. That guy's very interesting. He's I'll check like, that out. Yeah, he's he's funny. He makes me. I think he's. Is that the comedian you were saying before? No, that? no, no, no. no. Oh, okay. um, he's a <laughs> he's an insurance salesman. He built a massive insurance conglomerate. That many people have accused of being an MLM multi. Okay. Level marketing scheme, yeah. but he's an Iranian immigrant. Um, he he's pretty Republican. Mm-hmm. He's got an interesting perspective, but he has on guys like oh, I'm trying to think. He's had Chris Cuomo on his show. Like okay. he's one of the he's he's a podcaster, so like he's more open to an exchange of free and fair ideas, right? Which right. I really appreciate. Um, and he also doesn't let his opinions be like he lets his opinions be known. Okay, which I think is cool. Like that's where we are in media now. If if somebody is presenting themselves to you is straight up across the board mm-hmm. they're lying to you some way because in the media even if you're not showing bias in the way you cover things you're showing bias in what you choose to cover right right so i you know that's why i come here to this podcast and i say i like rfk i'm letting you all know that right now this is coming from a place where i do like him so we're going to show a couple clips from stuff that i you know he broke some news in a couple places real quick before we do that <clears throat> Because in the interest of open and transparency, mm-hmm. uh, he was on Jesse Waters' show on Fox News the other day, 
and Waters pressed him and asked him, this is something I didn't know, and I actually don't know how Waters knew this. I don't know if this was news that was out there. But Waters asked him, he said, you've flown on Jeffrey Epstein's plane, haven't you? And he said, yeah, I have, twice. He was on the plane twice, the Lolita Express. Not a good look. No. With his wife and kids, he brought his kids on the Jeffrey Epstein plane. Um, so he said he didn't go to the island, and I believe he was just like trying to raise money for environmental causes. To be fair to him, you know, Epstein had been a, even to people who didn't know him as a weird, creepy pedophile, a lot of people knew him as a money guy, like Bill Gates, you know, obviously said he went to him for money, so. Right, right. I don't know. Again, not a good look. I don't love that, but mm. I'm still probably voting for RFK. Uh, I really hope he's not uh, part of that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, that's not a good look. It's hard to say. No. I mean, I guess the saving grace would be that his family was on the plane with him, but, yeah. you know, was still. Biden, I think, was Biden ever on the plane? Because I know uh, Trump was. Trump definitely was. I don't know about Biden. Um, it's like yeah, a, that I can't say for sure. The first I looked up Joe Biden Epstein plane. The first news article was fact check. President Biden does not own an island next to Jeffrey Epstein's island. Um, it looks I I can't it doesn't look immediately like Biden was on the plane, um, which is kind of surprising. But anyway, RFK. He was on, uh, did this town hall. Uh, you know, I, RFK is the only serious presidential candidate in my lifetime to talk about the poisoning of our citizens mm-hmm. through, you know, the parabens and the PCBs and all the chemicals in our water supply. And he's the only one who, who goes to bat for the environment. He, he made his first sort of big career case as a lawyer suing uh, corporations that were poisoning the Hudson River. Right. You know, we're here in New Jersey, like, it's local to us. The Hudson River used to be, like, unthinkable that you right. could swim in it. Now it's, like, you know, I, I still wouldn't swim in it near Manhattan. No, but, like, not at all. the further upstream you get, like, it's beautiful. Right. Um, exactly. Major pro-environment. Again, that's, like, my biggest issue. So that's, that's kind of why I'm uh, such a big fan of his. But a couple things he said. We're gonna, we'll play some clips. The first thing I thought was very interesting was that I didn't know this. The Norfolk Southern... Uh, train derailment that caused a huge chemical spill in East Palestine, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, he is suing on behalf of people in that town. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So I'll play the clip right now. That's cool. Department of Transportation, because I'm representing a thousand families right now whose lives were upended by the Norfolk Southern spill in East Palestine, Ohio. So I not only am, mm-hmm. am meeting with them at their kitchen tables and hearing what it's done to their lives, and I'm, I, you know, I'm seeing and we're discovering in discovery why that was a result of corporate capture. And I'll just tell you one of the many things, you know, the FDA proposed a regulation that there should be heat center, sensors on every wheel of these huge car, of these huge train cars now. I mean, these huge trains that have hundreds of cars on them, that every wheel should have a heat sensor on it to notify the engineer. And, and that there should be multiple engineers and personnel on each train. The agency, because it doesn't want to spend that money, said, no, we only need one personnel mm. on, a, on a train with 100 cars on it. And we don't want to install the heat centers because that's going to cost us a couple thousand dollars per train. Well, we now know that on that spill, the wheel of that train was, was sparking, and then it caught fire. 
And for 20 miles, it was on fire, getting bigger and bigger until the whole boxcar burned. And the boxcar was full of PVC pipe, which went off like an explosion and, um, and derailed the train. How do we know? Because through discovery, we got the doorbell ringers from people who were neighbors of that train track. And you can watch it from their doorbell cameras with this fire getting bigger and bigger for 20 miles. And the engineer has no idea because they didn't put the heat sensors on. So that spill took place directly because of agency capture. Every time something like this happens, there's, there's a show, Newsroom, that I really like. And one of the first episodes, they talk about uh, they're like breaking news on the big BP oil spill. Yeah. And um, what's his name? Jeff Daniels, his character, is like, I'll give some. I'll bet someone my next paycheck that like it, this happened because there was some regulatory agency was underfunded or something like that. For like, sure. You know, I don't. I'm not a big believer in coincidences. Yes, maybe something could have happened, but obviously, these um, massive conglomerates that own these railroads, these shipping companies, right? They're in it to make a profit. They don't give up. You know, it's a drop in the bucket. Oh, we have to pay eight million dollars to clean up this town's water supply. That's still cheaper than actually fixing the problem. Yeah. So. And I, I mean, I'd be hard pressed to not believe that the uh, whoever's checking the like the quality control, if you will, are not all inside men either way. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And even you know, George Carlin always used to say, "There's no you don't need a conspiracy where interests align." Like, right. These guys probably even just know in their head, like, I'm not even gonna propose that we raise these standards because mm -hmm. I'm gonna get laughed out of the room if not fired. Right. Right. Quick, like. Just we're talking about. Um, Do you want to, Is this for the camera? No, not okay. for the camera. This is uh. So like we're talking about immigration, and then um, fuck. There was another point that aligns with this one. Like there's that Democrat. Oh, it's the Epstein list. The Democrat who shot down the the proposal to release the Epstein list, and then now he's also in the same week he's proposing giving all illegal immigrant males uh an act like a, a pipeline to citizenship through the U.S. military. And he's using the lack of uh, recruitment numbers mm. and failure to hit those numbers mm. as like the basis of saying, well, we have all of these illegal immigrants. Let's bring them into the military. Can you keep this in? Do you mind? No, not at all. all right. Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to add that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really interesting because it's, it's another point RFK made. The military is um, severely struggling with recruitment right now. They've been low on numbers. I mean, Tim Kennedy was actually, when he when he rejoined the uh the military i think it was like back in 2017 he basically said he was like gonna be the face of recruitment being mm. like a big guy in the ufc and just a well-known personality mm. one of his reasons was saying like recruitment is low i'm gonna use my personality and my brand to bring people in and this mm. is now what mm. six years later we're still very low on recruitment numbers yeah. every branch of the military is under their numbers well, and so and this is something another thing that rfk brought up in this interview that i think it uh, never gets talked about and it's so it's so frustrating to me because you and i are both people that really care about health mm -hmm. and well-being and, and sort of you know watch our diet and stuff like that and uh rfk mentioned this as a reason why the military is struggling to recruit a lot of people aren't eligible Right. Because autoimmune disorders in this country have rocketed. You know, we both have asthma. I, d I tried to join every branch in the military. And you're ineligible. Everyone shot me down because I had asthma. Right, right. And by the way, like, we both play rugby. We're very right. fit dudes. I Correct. I guarantee you that there are plenty of people without asthma in the military that you would far exceed their uh, 
physical capabilities. But my jujitsu instructor at the time, he was he was actually in the Marines, and he was pissed. He's like, "You tell them to come in here and watch yeah, them roll, yeah. watch you roll, you know, whatever." And uh, he was pissed. He's like, "You should not yeah, be turned down." But uh, so in RFK, so, uh, I'm gonna play this other clip because I and I highly encourage everybody to go watch this two hour uh, town hall. Very informative, very eye opening. Um, and again, he is pro Israel, so everybody out there who hates me and disagrees with everything that I say, there's a starting point for you. Boom. Mm -hmm. um, but he said that I believe in 2006 or 2007, the NIH stopped um, counting the rise of autoimmune disorders. Really? Because it was just getting so crazy. He estimates that over 60% of people like being born today wow. have some form of autoimmune disorders. Rheumatoid arthritis, yeah, asthma, all this other stuff makes you ineligible for military service. For sure, that's a super, you know, not only the military component, but just in general, the uh, these this rise of uh, disease. Mm -hmm. You know, we had, I think, what's the number? I don't want to say sixty percent. It sounds like it's that's huge, but we had a we had a outsized majority of the world's COVID deaths. Despite yeah. the fact that we're only four percent of the world's population, right? He attributed that, and I agree with him, to our severely poor health mm -hmm. in this country. Nobody ever talks about that, right? So uh, that's another reason I'm so pro, you know, RFK. I, I like what Vivek is saying. I don't like what he stands for. Mm -hmm. I love what RFK is saying, and I love what he stands for. So yeah, like, that's yeah. kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah. Um, but there's that, and then there's also the recently the vaccine thing. Mm -hmm. How many people did they boot? For vaccinations, and now they're now they're bringing crawling them back, back and, to them, and, yeah. and most of them don't want to come back. No, I Fuck mean they that. were they were dishonorably discharged. That's crazy. To dishonorably me. discharged. Uh, they I don't know if they could. It's like you lose benefits with that. Yeah, right? I don't know if you could get the full potential or if any of the benefits that you were hoping were guaranteed. Um, but now they're asking them to come back, and it's like, how can you turn your back on people that are literally sign a will at age eighteen? to fight for your country, to put everything on the line for it, and then just say, well, you're not going to get this vaccine, so everything that you've done is discredited, get out. And then, oh, but by the way, we were wrong. Can you please come back? Yeah. We'll, we'll give you some of that stuff back. Again, just because this is going on YouTube, I do have to say that the vaccine is safe and effective. My, my heart swells with pride over how much I endorse and encourage the Pfizer shot. I plead the fifth. All right. I think that's it for us today. We're going to wrap up there. Um, welcome back. It's been a long hiatus, but we plan to keep this going now once a week. Yeah. Um, again, there's a lot we didn't cover today that I would love to have gotten into, especially that Guyana stuff. Um, we might get into that next week, depending on how that develops, but I'm sure it's the 7th today. I'm sure by the 14th, there will be 4,000 new fucking stories to cover. So. 4,001. Yeah. Um, yeah, else? I'm any, happy any to be here. Thoughts? No, I mean I'm I'm happy to be here. Oh, yeah. This was uh Welcome aboard, brother. Happy to be here. That's all I can say. The Mac attack. Yes, sir. We'll see you next week.